Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Russia's major escalation in Ukraine today, the capital, Kyiv, targeted with airstrikes. The attack killed around a dozen civilians and injured nearly 100 others. President Biden calling it an act of brutality. And Taiwan vowing to bolster its defenses against any attempts at a Chinese invasion. What the Taiwanese president says today about a potential war with Beijing. Columbus Day. Its history isn't taught how it used to be, at least not in Fairfax County, Virginia, where schools are teaching a revised version of the famous explorer's impact. PayPal says it won't fine users for spreading what it defines as misinformation. The fintech giant is reportedly changing course after facing backlash. And a medical center announces a major change to its policy on transgender surgeries for minors. It follows controversy over recently exposed videos. More than a dozen people are dead and many more are wounded in Ukraine after the biggest Russian attack in months. Electricity is out in much of Ukraine's western regions. Many of the airstrikes targeted critical infrastructure and pedestrian areas were also hit, including a playground in downtown Kyiv. NTD's Melina Weiskup has more. More than a dozen people killed in Ukraine following the biggest and broadest Russian attack since the early days of the war. I saw the flash in the building that was destroyed. I saw how the concrete tumbled and fell, and there was panic everywhere. We started to run, to hide, to run as far as possible from the explosion. Power lines knocked out in this city and others. Several towns in Ukraine now coping with electricity outages. Putin retaliating after he says Ukrainian forces destroyed a bridge spanning Ukraine and Crimea. The Russian president personally launched the attack, targeting power plants and critical infrastructure. A massive strike with air, sea and land-based high-precision long-range weapons was performed against Ukrainian energy, military command and communication facilities. In addition, Ukraine's capital, Kiev, was hit by several missiles, one striking a playground and another a popular pedestrian bridge during rush hour. Residents were seen on the streets with blood on their clothes and hands, several cars damaged and destroyed. The hours-long attack marked a sudden military escalation by Moscow. President Zelensky telling citizens to stay in bomb shelters. They want to annihilate our energy supplies. They're hopeless. That second target is our people. There could be certain shortages with electricity supply, but we will never have shortages with our belief in our victory. And President Biden today spoke with Ukraine's President Zelensky, pledging to continue to support the nation with whatever it needs to defend itself. This includes with advanced air defense systems. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. And as the war in Ukraine escalates, Taiwan, facing threats from the Chinese Communist Party, is vowing to defend itself. NTD's Iris Tao has more on what their president says on Taiwan's National Day. Taiwan is celebrating its National Day with parades, performances, 
and a determination to defend its freedoms. And Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday addressed the tension with mainland China, saying this about the democratic island's sovereignty. The consensus of the Taiwanese people and our ruling and opposition parties is to defend our sovereignty and our free and democratic way of life. On this point, we have no room for compromise. Tsai added that a war between Taiwan and China is absolutely not an option for resolving Beijing's claim to the island, and she reiterated her willingness to talk to Beijing. She also plans to boost the island's defenses, saying the destruction of Taiwan's democratic freedoms would be a major setback for democracies around the world. We will use our actions to tell the world that Taiwan will take on the responsibility of self-defense. We will not sit back and wait for our fate to be decided. U.S. lawmakers are praising Taiwan's democracy amid its National Day celebrations. Senator Ted Cruz called the island, quote, a beacon of democracy, adding that its prosperity and freedoms are an ever-present rebuke to the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda and repression. And Senator Marco Rubio wrote that Beijing's aggression makes it all the more important for the U.S. to support Taiwan's sovereignty. Meanwhile, in response to Tsai's speech, the Chinese foreign ministry says Taiwan is not an independent state and has no so-called president. The communist regime claims the island as its own and has escalated military threats against it after U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the island in August. Reporting by Iris Tao, NTD News. And back in the U.S., a parent says a Northern Virginia high school prepared students for Columbus Day by erasing the explorer's history. NTD's Arlene Richards has that story. In the aftermath of the George Floyd murder and the subsequent protests, school districts across the country were pushed to make changes. In particular, they were driven to rewrite curricula to include more history of blacks and minorities. Like many other school districts, Fairfax County in Northern Virginia took action. On July 23, 2020, the Fairfax School Board passed a motion to pivot from acknowledging Columbus Day and instead celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. Parent of a recent graduate and senior fellow at the Independent Women's Network, Azra Nomani, said in 2020, parents spoke out against this change, but protests over social justice were more compelling. Why are you putting your resources and time into the social justice activism instead of simple education and getting kids back to school? It was a really difficult time because, of course, people were subject to cancel culture. Cancel culture refers to an attempt to damage the reputation of those who don't agree with a particular ideology. Nomani said parents didn't know the impact of the motion until last week when the network received a tip about the PowerPoint presentation on Columbus Day history. Can you give me an example of something that's in this PowerPoint? Some of the interesting uh, topics in the PowerPoint are idea of word association and what it means to honor somebody. And then there is a TEDx uh, uh, video that the kids watch. It's a few minutes long, and it's called History on Trial. And in that History on Trial video, what you see is Christopher Columbus brought before a mock in a mock trial, and he is called a ruthless explorer. Nomani acknowledges that history is complex, but says teachers can tell students about these explorers without erasing them. Due to the holiday, the school board didn't respond to NTD's request for comment. 
However, their July 23, 2020 motion states that the shift away from acknowledging Columbus Day aligns with work to do significant curriculum revisions and professional development over the last 18 months to address the overrepresentation of white and Eurocentric history. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. PayPal is reportedly now saying it won't fine its users for spreading misinformation. It claims that its notice advising users of the fine went out in error. Last week, PayPal's updated user agreement made headlines. It said users who spread misinformation could be fined up to $2,500. This would be debited directly from a user's PayPal account. According to multiple news outlets, PayPal is now walking back that rule and saying the policy update was sent in error. One spokesperson said, PayPal is not fining people for misinformation, and this language was never intended to be inserted in our policy. The spokesperson said PayPal is working on updating the policy change. The part in question has since been removed from the notice. Before, it stated, you may not use the PayPal service for activities that involve the sending, posting, or publication of any messages, content, or materials that, in PayPal's sole discretion, promote misinformation. Some people said they felt this was wrong, including PayPal's former president, David Marcus. It's hard for me to openly criticize a company I used to love and gave so much to. But PayPal's new AUP goes against everything I believe in. A private company now gets to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with. Insanity. Elon Musk also chimed in, saying he agrees with Marcus. NTD spoke with Matthew Peterson, the co-founder of New Founding. He said PayPal took a big hit because of this. We just can't trust these corporations. And what you see with PayPal is we were all ready to leave. And, and what, whatever they say, it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, we know that we don't trust that company's leadership. He says other companies like PayPal have done similar things recently. Well, it's become all the rage among large uh, financial structures to punish uh, based on the basis of a social credit system. And, you know, it might sound dystopian or, uh, you know, extreme to say, but there's a lot of smart people and a lot of NGOs and a lot of uh, large corporations and consulting firms who think this is the way of the future. He added that something like this could even be implemented in the near future by the government by using a social credit system. And in Tennessee, Vanderbilt University Medical Center has suspended all gender transition surgeries for minors. This comes after Tennessee lawmakers asked them to stop performing the irreversible surgeries on children. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Videos recently published related to Vanderbilt University Medical Center's transgender surgeries for minors raised concerns among the public. Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire, who tweeted the videos, says he got the following clips from Vanderbilt Psychiatry's YouTube channel, which was later taken down. We have some individuals who have started gender-affirming hormones at 13 or 14. If they are 16, 17, here at Vanderbilt, um, if they have been on testosterone, have a parental consent, um, we're able to do a lot of the top surgeries for those patients. Members of the Tennessee legislature soon stepped in and sent Vanderbilt University Medical Center, or VUMC, a letter signed by 62 Tennessee lawmakers. The lawmakers also said they were appalled to learn of the statements reportedly made by Vanderbilt personnel, threatening action against employees who object to transgender surgeries because of their religious beliefs. This was an apparent response to pediatrics professor Dr. Ellen Clayton of Vanderbilt saying this. Saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences. 
If you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. And on Friday, VUMC complied with the lawmakers' requests. In a letter, VUMC agreed to pause gender transitioning surgeries on minors while they review new guidance on this type of surgery from the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. They said the review may take several months. The letter went on to clarify that VUMC's policies allow employees to request an accommodation to be excused from participating in surgeries they find morally objectionable. After VUMC's announcement, Matt Walsh tweeted, the fight is far from over, but this will save children from mutilation and abuse. Tennessee lawmakers are expected to take up this issue during their next legislative session, which begins on January 10th, 2023. Jason Perry, NTD News. And more on transgenderism. Christians and others are voicing concern over a video that's going viral on Twitter today. It shows part of a church service at Allendale United Methodist Church in St. Petersburg, Florida, earlier this month. Let's see some of that clip now. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world, uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, to change into something new uh, and to not be bound by the ways that the world confines us sometimes, that, that we're supposed to live differently. Earlier today, I spoke with Pastor Lucas Miles, who's also host of the Epic Times show Church and State, for his thoughts. Lucas Miles, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, we're seeing more examples of progressive ideology influencing the church in the U.S., a recent example being a pro-drag queen church service involving children earlier this month in Florida. What are your concerns here? You know, you see these things. Obviously, you know, these are the extremes, and they, they make the headlines, and for good reason. I mean, people need to be aware of what's happening here. Um, I don't think that what we're seeing here is by any means a, uh, a representation of the majority of where churches are or the theological positioning of churches in this nation. But even having one church that is doing this is still a concern. But, you know, what I'm concerned about even more, I think, is the churches that are uh, leaning this direction that maybe haven't taken as bold of steps as what we see in a video like this. Um, but they're they're starting to they're starting to slowly drift in that direction and and that's something i very much have my eyes on you say this new christian left that's rooted in marxist thought has partnered with the state to silence the truth could you tell me more about that you know it's interesting we hear this term christian nationalism talked about a lot in uh, the media right now uh, and by a lot of the ideologues and talking heads out there the uh, this term is oftentimes directed towards conservative Christians that hold a biblical worldview um, that, that uh, you know, most likely voted for Donald Trump in the last election, they're pro-America, et cetera. The interesting thing, when you look at Christian nationalism in, say, a place like Nazi Germany, the Christian nationalists in Nazi Germany were the Christians who abandoned biblical views in order to align their ideology with the state. And I think, actually, that's what's happening among the left right now. When you look at a church like this one that you just mentioned in St. Petersburg, Florida, 
Um, there's virtually no doctrine that they hold that is not held also by the Biden administration uh, or by any other left you know, wing operative. And so what we're seeing among the Christian left is that the doctrine that they hold about gender, about family, about sexuality, about marriage, et cetera, aligns identical to a leftist Marxist state. And that's reason for concern. Supporters of this progressive trend in Christian institutions say that Christ taught compassion and acceptance of all. What's your response to that? Yeah, the, the left loves to sort of distort this this uh, this love message of the gospel uh, for their purposes. The Bible says that that Jesus came in grace and truth. Anytime that we elevate um, one of those over the other, we're going to end up in error. If you if you elevate truth over grace, you'll end up with bigotry. If you elevate grace over truth, you usually end up with some form of progressivism. Only a doctrine that elevates both grace and truth could actually be said to be falling in the footsteps of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, what that means is practically um, that we love people. We love them right where they are and we help them right where they are. But we also acknowledge that that uh, just because we're going to love them and we're going to, you know, seek for ways to help them, uh, we, we believe that the gospel uh, is a change agent, that it should transform our lives. It should produce more godliness, more righteousness, more holiness in us. And there is an absolute standard of what truth is, and that is established by Scripture. And it's not our job to be arbiters of the truth and kind of decide what things we want to follow and what things we don't. And so, you know, this balance of, of you know, kind of equal holding of grace and truth, I think, is really uh, imperative for Christians to avoid some of these errors. And, you know, I always just tell people, don't fall for this lie uh, that because, you know, Jesus came to love everybody, that that means that behavior doesn't matter or something like that. that that's, you know, we don't approach that in any other facet, you know, of, of society. And I think it's very important that we that we don't, you know, fall into that deception. You've warned that the religious landscape of the United States is being eroded at a rapid pace. What do you think people can do if they're concerned along these lines? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So first off, you know, if you're a church-going uh, uh, Christian, make sure that you're attending a church and that you're giving to a church that actually is supporting a biblical worldview. In the back of my book, The Christian Left, I give some questions that you could sit down with church leadership, your pastor, your elder, et cetera, to actually be able to ask them to see where they stand on these issues. If you're hearing your pastor talk about things like creation care, which is sort of a leftist uh, disguise for uh, the climate change, change agenda that they're pushing in churches, if you're hearing pastors talk about white privilege and CRT, uh, in a positive, you know, uh, um, you know, way. If you're, if you're, uh, you know, seeing the church not stand up, you know, if your church didn't address Roe this last summer, you know, they didn't say anything about the abortion debate. That's a cause for concern. And so we want to look at these things, really see where they stand. And if your church doesn't line up with this, you need to go find a place who do, who does what that does. And I think also, of course, this goes into politics as well. I believe that Christians should be good citizens within a society. We may need to make sure and use our vote for conservative candidates that are really going to continue to, uh, uh, to see a conservative agenda move forward. All right, Lucas, pastor and host of the Epic Times Church and State with Lucas Miles, thank you so much for your time. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Coming up, some Californians are tired of the widespread crime throughout the state. Grassroots groups say they hope to restore law and order this November. And in the NFL, we're five games into the season and already one team is making a change at coach. NTD's Dave Martin has the details. That and more coming up.
The midterm elections are just weeks away and Californians are fed up with crime plaguing their state. A coalition of groups say they hope to bring back law and order. A number of community leaders are speaking against what they call California's soft-on-crime policies. During a press conference, Carl Chen, president of Oakland Chamber of Chinese Commerce, recalled an incident when someone attacked him in public. When, when we went through the whole process, believe it or not, at the sentencing, uh, there were about 30, 40 people. They came to the courthouse, and guess what? They are supporting the attacker. Chen said he later got a call from a New York Times reporter. And she said that uh, uh, there are a group of folks, they are doing a GoFundMe uh, for my attacker uh, and uh, the one that had committed the crime. Then I, I, was, I checked it out, I said, oh my God, are you kidding me? So what my point is this, when people keep talking about, I'm so sorry that you know you're committing crimes, and when you're going out there and support them and send them the wrong message, According to statistics released by the FBI, the country reported similar levels in crime between 2021 and 2020, around 11 million criminal offenses reported. That's a 5.6% increase from the number of reports in 2019. But I have a personal experience back in China, and I went through the uh, Cultural Revolution oh my. Uh, in the uh, 1960s, and uh, uh, and the, the first thing, they, the, the Red Guard come in and destroyed the basic fundamental uh, social order is remove the, uh, uh, remove the, uh, remove the law and uh, uh, general uh, law. So it created a lawlessness in China, and that's a horrible ex uh, experience for, I was a very young kid, and uh, my memory is very strong. Earlier this year, two district attorneys who faced grassroots-led recalls were criticized for their leniency on crime. Public safety is a very top priority in any society. As simple as that. We have to strike the balance and cannot go to the extreme. At the end of the day, everybody got to have confidence that we can come home safely after a day of work or school. They encourage people to elect officials who can regain that balance. And on the East Coast, two people were shot outside the home of New York Congressman Lee Zeldin on Sunday. Zeldin is also New York's Republican gubernatorial candidate. He's made addressing crime and violence a key campaign point. Zeldin said in a statement that his daughters were shaken but are okay. His statement said, quote, like so many New Yorkers, crime has literally made its way to our front door. County police said the two people injured in the incident were transported to area hospitals for treatment. The shootings were not in connection with Zeldin or his family. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. The Carolina Panthers fired head coach Matt Rule today following the team's 1-4 start. Rule went just 11-27 in his two-plus seasons in charge, while the team never quite found the answer at the quarterback position. Rule was hired in January of 2020, shortly before the team released former MVP Cam Newton, who was no longer in his prime after suffering several injuries. The team tried replacing him with Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, and finally Baker Mayfield this year, but never found the success they were looking for. 
Meanwhile, the Panthers have named assistant coach Steve Wilkes as interim head coach for the rest of the season. And in baseball, after a wild opening weekend, the division series are set to begin on Tuesday. The Cleveland Guardians won the longest scoreless game in postseason history Saturday. The scoreless streak abruptly ended when rookie Oscar Gonzalez hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 15th to win 1-0. They'll face the Yankees in the ALDS. In the other ALDS matchup, the Seattle Mariners have advanced after coming back from a seven-run deficit on Saturday to beat Toronto. Their reward is the top-seeded Houston Astros in a best-of-five series. In the National League, Philadelphia swept St. Louis, including using a six-run ninth to come back and win Game 1 on Friday. They'll take on the defending champion Atlanta Braves. And finally, the San Diego Padres beat Max Scherzer and ultimately the New York Mets in the only series that went to a third game. They get their division rival Los Angeles Dodgers in the other NLDS matchup. And finally, tonight in sports, Monday Night Football features the Chiefs squaring off against the Raiders in Kansas City at 8.15 Eastern. That's all for your sports news today. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, do be sure to drop us a line by email at eveningnews at ntd.com. We're always keen to hear from you. Till tomorrow, I'm Stephanie Cox. Be well and good night.